0: When we started running ads, we would often run an ad to a very specific product. Rather than having it go to a sales page about the membership, it was going to an individual product listing. And the irony is that nine times out of 10, they were joining the membership, not buying the individual product. Today, I'm holding nothing back. I've spent years sharing what it's like to build a business online, but I haven't shared a whole lot about what it's been like to build a million-dollar membership. And today, I'm answering all your burning questions from logistics to origin story to evolution and how it's changed along the way, some of my biggest tips and tricks, things to watch out for, things I could have never predicted about what it's like to build a membership online. We're diving into all of it. But before I get started, I have got to celebrate with you guys. We are T minus, one day away from when this drops on the airwaves. Tomorrow, assuming everything goes according to plan, we will officially have our grand opening for our brand new Creative website i.e., the membership we're talking about today. And I am just so ready. You know, it's one thing to be excited, but it's another thing to just be painfully ready for something to come out into the world. It feels like I've been working on this forever. And this is definitely not just a me thing. This is for sure a giant group project. My entire team has been involved from top to bottom. We have spent months rebuilding products, getting things organized, making it easier to find, getting a developer involved. Like All of the stuff has gone into building this site, and I am just so excited to put it out into the world tomorrow. I will say, if you're listening to this, there is... A slight possibility that it's technically already live, but that's only because the last time we did such a massive site launch, it took almost 48 hours for all the ghosting to disappear. So there is a slight chance that you could go there right now and see it, but I can't guarantee that, but I'm hoping tomorrow will be the day and we can celebrate together. Now, before I dive into all of your questions, I have got to tell you perhaps the stupidest thing I've done in a long time. Now, I'm not saying stupid as in like a bad idea. I'm just saying and didn't really fully think through the whole shebang before we decided to go down this road. So long story short, I am... A giant Christmas advocate. Like, I love the season. I think it's so fun. I think it's so beautiful. I grew up on a Christmas tree farm. And so, like, the Christmas magic is what I want and need in my life. <laughs> and I've also just been missing people. When the pandemic started, a lot of the family traditions that we once had with our extended family went away pretty much overnight. And I didn't see anyone for so long. And while I'm definitely an introvert, like getting together the people I love is hugely important to me. And I also recognize that Many of my friends and family have young small children and the concept of that big family gathering is kind of breaking up into people are meeting in just their own little family units and like I totally understand and respect that and I still want to see everybody. I still want to get everybody together. And so my husband and I have been dreaming and thinking about what it would look like to have a big holiday party and something that we could like do every single year when I was a kid my aunt threw the biggest New Year's Eve party and it was just so fun like there were people everywhere people laughing like I can still hear the like glass clinking and like smell the tamales and all of this stuff like it was so incredible And I want to recreate those experiences and building new traditions in my family is really important to me. And for a long time, I just felt like it had to happen to me. Like the traditions had to be something that like the matriarch of the family put together. But I'm an adult and I've come to realize that I can start my own traditions for my own family. And so Jared and I decided to throw a giant, I mean, giant Christmas party. And we didn't tell anybody it was a giant Christmas party. We just started inviting people. Like, I think we've invited over a hundred people. Perhaps the most people we've invited to anything since our wedding. Now, here's the problem. (laughs) The party is not for a couple of weeks. It's in early December before like all the hubbub of people's individual family gatherings happen but definitely still in the holiday season <laughs> and we started inviting everyone and i think there's this huge part of us that assumed that it would be like it had been in years past and a lot of people would say no and you know they would do their own thing here's the thing everybody else is craving it too Everyone else wants to get together and spend time together and celebrate and chat and reminisce and all the things. So, like, most people have been saying yes, and it's only been, like, two days since we started sending invites out, and we have well over 70 people who've RSVP'd definitely gonna be the most people I've ever had in this house it'll be the most people I've ever had in any house so I think I'm gonna need some help <laughs> we originally were like we'll just do like cookies and cider and now I'm like I think we need to cater this like th- I'm not sure I can make enough food for everybody I'm imagining like a giant charcuterie table however I have no idea how we're going to control the beagles. Like there's going to be 70 people. And I can't imagine that like food will be everywhere. Like we may have a designated spot, but people get distracted. It's going to be, it's going to be really wild. (laughs) And I'm very excited. And we're still not going to tell anybody that it's big. I mean, unless they, I guess, listen to the show. But I think the majority of people who were invited are not listeners of the show. They're family and church friends and cousins and neighbors. Anyway, I am both equally elated and terrified. (laughs) What have I done? (laughs) It's going to be a whirlwind. So I will be sharing the aftermath of what it's like to accidentally invite over 100 people to my house. (laughs) My cul-de-sac is definitely not big enough. It's going to be a parking lot. It's going to be a parking lot, but I'm so excited. But let's get to the meaty stuff. I know this is what you're here for. You're here for the nosy questions. And that's exactly what I've gathered. I have 15 questions that I just know that you want the answer to. And we're going to go through them. And we're going to talk about it. And if you have follow-up for anything that I'm about to say, do not hesitate to reach out to me. Send me a DM over at Boss Project or send me a DM at Abigail says, let me know what your follow-up question is. And perhaps the best plan would be for you to go to creativetemplateshop.com slash join, become a co-op member, and then drop all of your burning questions in the group. Because honestly, I think if building a membership is on your radar, observation about how someone else is running the show is perhaps one of the best ways to learn. Just saying. Okay. First question. How did you initially come up with the idea for the membership and how has it evolved over time? So truth be told, I do not claim the concept. Okay. I would even venture to guess the person that brought it up within this business. Like it wasn't even necessarily their idea either. The concept of building a membership that is a template shop Is not new. Like it is not something we invented. It's not something we came up with. There was a lot of other people doing this and doing it to various degrees of success. And the designer of our business at the time wanted to collaborate on this and wanted to really dive into building templates for y'all. And we had been debating building a shop for years prior to this point. And we finally said yes. And the timing of it was absolutely wild. We've built other memberships in the past. You may have been previously a part of the Bishop Co-op or the Gold Crusher Club or the Strategy Hour Groupies. <laughs> but building creativetimplechop.com happened at the beginning of 2020. So we launched in January. And then we all know what happened in March. Now, while I do not claim to be the person who initially advocated for the idea or brought it to life, what I do feel really responsible for is the direction we took it. Ultimately, there was a lot of other template shops out there. And The majority of them were either targeting like a very, very, very specific niche, like just photographers, or they were almost exclusively social media focused, you know, social media graphics, or even, I know you guys know what I'm talking about when I say like the stock photography memberships, there were a gajillion of them. Okay. And, you know, all of those ideas are attractive. Building something for a very specific person, like, amazing. You know, focusing in on one type of template, also great. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to this. However, I wanted to... Fill a void, a void I saw in the market, a void I saw in this industry, something I didn't see people doing. And I think that's a great way to approach business. You can take an idea that has been validated in your market or industry and then find your own unique approach to it. Find your own way to look at this idea and really make sure that you're doing it justice and, you know, doing the thing that is unique to your skill set. And so a couple of things came up for me. When I started this business, I was building absolutely everything from scratch. You know, everything from a pricing guide to contracts to proposals to, you know, all the social graphics, everything. And luckily... That was my background. Design is what I went to school for. Design is how I started this business. And so doing a lot of those tasks came fairly simple to me. But when I looked around, I could see how many people weren't designers, but wanted to look professional online and were often frustrated by The lack of resources and tools in this area. Now, keep in mind, you know, CRMs and being able to like send a proposal via the internet was still fairly new. When I started my business, that wasn't even a thing. I would personally print my contracts, take them to an in person meeting, have someone sign it. And then they handed me a physical check across the table. So this concept of like it all being digital and all being online was still very new. But I wanted the template shop to continue to provide resources to business owners that didn't necessarily have that skill set. And ironically, you know, we've had a ton of designers join the co-op and I know that will continue to be true for a whole host of reasons and I'll definitely get into that, but I am proud of the fact that we focused on building something to solve a problem. And people wanted to have a stellar client experience. They wanted to present themselves professionally online. And I wanted to give them tools to make that possible quickly without a lot of overthinking and have the strategy baked in because that was the other thing that was missing. A lot of these templates that were out there were pretty and they would have layout options and all of those things, but they weren't necessarily giving you copy prompts or ideas on headlines or the way in which you should be using certain sections none of that was really baked in. I've since seen that become much more prevalent, but at the time that was brand new. And I think the way we continue to look at this over time is we try to stay as in the moment as possible. While I don't necessarily think focusing on trendy strategies is the approach I would suggest for people, you know, you absolutely try some trends, run with those things. I definitely believe in more of a foundational approach to business. However, technology will keep changing. Consumer behavior will keep changing. The way people show up online will keep changing. And so to keep the creative template shop relevant We have continued to keep a pulse on what this industry needs to be successful. And that means providing a whole host of tools and the things they need have changed over time and we continue to adapt the things we deliver based on the needs of our community. Now, I think a lot of you may wonder, like, is the membership your primary or only source of income? And the short answer is no. We've diversified, and it's always been a piece of the business. We've had a membership since the beginning. I think the first membership launched in 2015, and so we've had a membership of some size or shape. The entire time we've been in business. Sometimes it was 5% of the business. In 2021, it was over 50% of our revenue. But in 2022, it was only 30% of our revenue. I think a membership can be the primary source of revenue for a business, hands down. I do think it's volatile though. And I do think there's some risk to it being the only thing you're doing. I've watched it close businesses entirely when the concept of how they got started didn't evolve. And people have like shut it down and started new things and in a lot of ways had to start from zero. And I would much rather build on the success that you've already had to do the next thing and continue to serve people in the season that they're in. And so we definitely don't have the same version of the membership we had in 2015, you know. And the concept then is much closer to what the concept is now than what some of those in between years were like. So you're going to go full circle sometimes, and that's totally okay. But let's talk about trajectory. What has been the growth trajectory of our membership base and what strategies have we used to attract and retain members. Okay, so in terms of trajectory, I'm not necessarily going to go back to 2015. I mean, I will for a second to remind you that like, when we started, this was small. You know, our first membership launch was $17 a month. And I think we had five or maybe seven people join initially. So like small blip on the radar. (laughs) When this launched in 2020, we had already been in business five years. And we were able to go from zero to our first 100 members in 30 days, which is a very fast trajectory. And I think a lot of people would struggle to hit that mark so quickly if they didn't already have a base of people paying attention and listening to them and an audience to sell to. But I think like any idea, you will likely see with any new product, a big jump in the beginning, a very fast takeoff point, and then things will start to slow down or level out. And, you know, that word curve is very true for this membership. But I don't want to pretend that it's always been up. It's definitely shrank and grown again and shrank and grown again. Like it is not just linear. That's not how this works. And you will have different challenges that you're faced with if this is a revenue stream that you choose to bring into your own business. But in terms of strategies to attract and retain members, one of the things that's been unique to this specific membership has been that we chose to, quote unquote, launch every single month. So some people have like an open closed model where they like open for a few days and then close. And then, you know, maybe they don't open again for six months. The creative template shop has never been closed. We don't turn off the ability to join. If we had done so, I do think it would provide some scarcity, but that's not how I like to do business. Like, you know, I think in a lot of ways, that's not that it's false scarcity. Like there are reasons to have an open closed model for a variety of things. But for me, I want to be available when someone needs us. And I don't want you to have to wait three months to the next launch for you to be able to join if we have a tool that's going to serve you in the season that you're in. And so being always open felt right. In a lot of ways, I wanted to kind of model what the SaaS industry was doing and sell it like it was a SaaS despite it being an end product but we cyclically launched. So despite it not closing every single month, we would release new templates and we would promote those on a regular cycle. So on the second Tuesday of every month, new templates would drop. We would announce that to Our list, and there would sort of be like this mini launch week that was built into the calendar every single month, and it would kind of quiet down in between. So it didn't feel like we were launching all the time. I do think that will continue to evolve over time, but I do like it being cyclical. I do enjoy having a schedule that we can retain so that we know what we're working on and we know where we are in the process of releasing new things. I see a lot of people that will just release very sporadically. And while I do think that can be fun, I think it's harder to create consistency. Like some of those things that you release are going to get a ton of attention and then others aren't. And I would much rather make sure that everything gets highlighted and gets put out there and gets emphasized. But I think what's been unique to us, do I think other people have done this? Sure. But I don't necessarily see this very commonly. Let's put it that way. We are outwardly showcasing the majority of what we offer and then allowing you to see the value of joining the membership instead of buying the one-off thing. And so what that means is we built the template shop. Like We literally have individual templates that you could purchase and they're available all the time. You can go to templateshop.com. You can search and find for something you're looking for. You'll go into an individual listing. It will tell you all about it. There's mock-ups. You can see what's there. And then on the actual product listing page, we have a toggle, so to speak. And this was not built into Squarespace. This was something we had to get a developer on board to help us create. But it will showcase to you, you can either buy this as a one-off purchase or you can join as a member and unlock all the things. You can get access to absolutely everything that we offer. And I think this has really, really served us well because often people come to us for a very, very specific problem. I need a Dipsato proposal, I need a pricing guide for my new service, I need launch graphics whatever. And they're literally Googling what they need. And our shop is coming up and they find a listing and they're like, Ooh, I like this. Maybe they even discover it on Pinterest. Oh, this is exactly what I'm looking for. And then they see that there's all of these complimentary things that will fit in for them. And it's an easy yes for people. And I think that's the secret to a successful membership is building in those easy yeses, building in the like, well, obviously it makes way more sense to join this than do blah. What that comparison is for you is going to vary. When we started running ads, we would often run an ad to a very specific product. Rather than having it go to a sales page about the membership, it was going to an individual product listing. And the irony is that nine times out of 10, they were joining the membership, not buying the individual product and like not sending someone to a sales page has been really beneficial. That being said, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with a sales page. Sales pages have been very effective for us in other areas of our business. In the membership specifically, that's just not the emphasis we put into it. We presented it, like I said, like a SaaS product and gave people the ability to choose. I think the question that then comes up is, Okay, that all sounds amazing if you're able to attract these people and get them in, and it's an easy yes and all the stuff. What were the challenges we faced when scaling this membership at this level? And how did we overcome them? And I think when this all started, while I understood these things as a concept until I was like in the middle of it, I didn't really understand how it would affect me. And specifically, the terms churn, cost of acquisition, and burn rate were for sure the biggest challenges we've faced running a membership and will always continue to be. Like These don't go away. These aren't going to be something that we stop facing. What is churn? Okay. Churn is specifically the amount Or percentage of people that leave on a monthly basis. So, if you're looking at total membership, what percentage of total membership churns out, leaves, and is no longer a part of your membership? I've seen this number as high as 18%, which is a lot. And we did a ton of work to make the environment much more sticky and our getting it down to like the eight to 10% range, which is much more manageable and definitely something that we can better handle. Now, how do you address churn? Well, part of it is making it a sticky environment. What are you doing to get people to stay? Part of the reason our churn was as high as it was, was because we gave unlimited access to everything and ability for someone to cancel at any time. So someone could theoretically come in and download 15 templates and then bail a week later and never have their membership renew. But that was a risk we were willing to take Because we knew that the very next month, we were going to release something new that would entice them. And even if they had left, they would have the opportunity to come back. And so many of our members have. While we face churn, I cannot tell you, like the return rate is astronomical. Like the amount of people that will leave and come back is huge. And would I love them to stay forever? Sure. But like we all go through seasons where stuff like that just doesn't make as much sense because that's just not what we're facing. And while I could be frustrated with that, keeping that ability feels ethically really in alignment for me. Now, in terms of cost of acquisition, Cost of acquisition is the price in which it takes you to acquire a new customer. So if you're running advertising, this is how much money it takes for you to get them to convert. And cost of acquisition started lower when we started this and grew as we grew the membership, but also because of the way in which paid advertising was changing as a landscape all on its own. So a lot of the cost of acquisition going up was very out of our control and definitely frustrating, but something we were willing to face. And I think a lot of people, as long as they understand lifetime value, as in what will this customer on average bring into the business? Knowing your cost of acquisition, as long as it's lower than the lifetime value, then it makes sense to financially bring that person in if you have enough cash. And that's where burn rate comes in. So burn rate is the amount of cash you're blowing through on any given month. And if you're looking at like startup culture, they'll talk about a burn rate where they are on purpose losing money every single month for a set period of time for their future growth and trajectory. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Now, while I say burn rate, I don't necessarily mean the business wasn't profitable, but I do mean there were many months where we would spend more on acquisition than we made from the product itself because the goal was the long-term lifetime value of that customer. At the time, the product was $47 a month. And... Our cost of acquisition, you know, it started around 50. So it was just $3 more than the first month, but it got up to 60, 65, sometimes $70. And if it takes you two months to recover, you know, that will start to stack up. And I couldn't have, I mean, like I understood the concept, but until I was in the middle of it, I didn't know how to handle it. And I made a lot of mistakes along the way with this in terms of handling the cash flow of the business and understanding if it was a good risk or a bad risk. And even if you know your cost of acquisition, it could change the very next month. And so, my focus as we face these challenges has been how do we reduce churn and increase lifetime value? To combat some of these things. Because if your churn rate is 10%, then unless you grow your membership more than 10%, you will be shrinking. So if you grow by 8% and your churn is 10, then at the end of the month, your membership will still be 2% smaller than when you started. And I don't think people necessarily understand that when they get into the membership model. They just think about the reoccurring revenue and how amazing it is. But churn is a very real part of what it takes to build reoccurring revenue and knowing the risks involved. Now, I see a lot of people combat this by only having annual plans, or, you know, you are committed for a certain number of months. But those all come with their own sets of challenges, pros and cons and things you will have to consider. What technology and tools are we using? So I do think this will grow and shift over time. But for this specific current setup, we are using Squarespace for our e-commerce And Member Space is protecting our individual member only pages and also handling payments for that, which, by the way, you can get a free trial at, I think it's a free trial. I'm pretty sure it is, bossproject.com slash Member Space. And then once someone's inside, we additionally have our course content hosted on Teachable. I think a lot of people will host on a course specific platform and that will make a ton of sense for their membership. The reason we haven't is as of yet, we have not found one that is supporting how visual what it is that we sell. And so having that e-commerce ability has been essential to our growth over time. Now, I see a lot of people building something similar, but they don't have any front end listings like they're showing previews and they're putting that on a sales page, but they're not necessarily having the full catalog of things available for one off purchase. And it would definitely be easier (laughs) to not do that. It would be a lot less work to not do that. But I do like what it's done for our SEO and for attracting new members who wouldn't have otherwise even discovered what we have. So how do we decide what content to offer our members and how often is it updated? Well, so far, the membership has been updated every single month since the time it launched, with very few exceptions. And we will often approach our drops like a theme. We will pick a specific problem that business owners face and create corresponding templates that meet those needs. So maybe it's launching, maybe it's social media content, maybe it's sales or the sales process, maybe it's client experience. And we will look at those individual things and identify what are the tools that are going to make people the most successful. Now, I think the big thing here is you can't just create for the sake of creating. I think it is essential that you know and understand what your users need. And so a lot, a lot of what we put out into the creative template shop are things that we have used in our own business. We have used to pitch our own clients. We have used to sell our own services. We have put on our own social to create engagement. Like they are things we've tried and tested and are doing alongside of our members and utilizing your own product and believing in what you're putting out there is a big part of what will make it grow. Okay. Pricing is like a whole shebang. What's been our approach to pricing and how has it changed as our membership has grown? We have not changed the price in nearly four years which is honestly kind of a bad idea. (laughs) I, I don't necessarily recommend it. A price increase can create a lot of urgency, very real urgency. And I think there's often like very real reasons to increase your price. Costs will change. How much it costs for you to operate your business will change. And making sure you're assessing those things as you go along is really important. Now, there's a lot of areas of our business that I focus on what is the price that something needs to be to make it make sense from a profit standpoint, from an operational standpoint, from a capacity standpoint. But I haven't necessarily done that inside the membership. And specifically because that was never the goal for me. The goal was specifically accessibility, and making it something that a large group of people could afford, utilize, and see great value from. With the goal that when they're wowed and see a ton of success from it, that they're excited and willing and want to invest in other areas of their business with us. And while by no means could we support every single member in a one-on-one capacity or even in like an intensity like group program where things are smaller, we couldn't support all of them in that way. So the goal was never to make every single person who joins the membership also a client. It's only ever going to appeal to a small portion of those people and that is fine with me. But you got to think about what is the goal of your. Membership, if this is something you're approaching, and specifically, is this something that needs to cover all the overhead for your business? If so, my approach to pricing a membership for it to be the only product in the business would be radically different. We've also primarily only focused on one tier for a very long period of time, and you will see over the next few months, us roll out tiered pricing on purpose to meet the needs of our community. But I don't necessarily suggest that people start there because it can add a lot of complication and additional customer support and customer service. How do we foster a sense of community among our members? So when this started, community was not the goal of the product. The goal of the product was to get in, help someone meet the need and have them get out. Like, not that we wanted them to leave the membership, but we just wanted this to be a part of their working business and then continue to run and focus on that. But as our business has evolved and community has been a huge thread of what we've done forever, I have had a desire to really change how community is intertwined with the membership at large. And I never want it to be the primary focus. I think you can do that. I don't necessarily think that's how I want to show up. I think there's a lot of people that are very successful with making the community the primary reason someone should join something. But to me, the community is like the bonus, the icing on top, the like, oh my gosh, and I also get this. I want it to feel like the best surprise, the thing they weren't even anticipating to be such a game changer for them. And I want it to be an environment that feels safe and welcoming and inviting and allows them to be their whole selves apart from revenue, what metrics do we use to measure the success of our membership? Well, I mentioned churn, lifetime value, cost of acquisition, all of that stuff. In terms of success, the churn rate going down would be a success metric. The lifetime value going up would be a success metric. The cost of acquisition going down would be a success metric. The amount of downloads or utilization of the product itself would be a success metric. The completion of courses or strategies on the teachable side would be a success metric. You have to go in and define what these are for you. But I see success in a lot of different areas. And I think... Thing that's weird about running a membership is you could have lots of those things being incredibly positive while also still experiencing challenges in other areas of it. And I think that's true for any type of service or offer, but specifically in the membership realm, that can feel really disorienting because you can be like, all of this stuff is amazing. And why is this such a pile of shit over here? (laughs) Like It's just not necessarily always black and white. Sometimes it is nuanced and complicated and confusing, to say the least. How do you stay competitive and relevant in the market? I think this is an interesting question because I have not necessarily been one to focus on what other people are doing in order to address this. And I think that's part of the key as to why it's worked. A way to be competitive is often by like going inwards and not being so worried about how everyone else is doing it and figuring out what works for you and your business and your members and their unique challenges, how we stay competitive is by making sure we're meeting the needs of our community, by continuing to adapt to the unique challenges that are popping up for them. Changes in consumer spending, changes in customer psychology, the challenges that the economy has presented, the adaptation to artificial intelligence, like all of those things, continuing to stay top of mind as to what they are going through. And part of the way you do that is like staying in it with them. I see so many people who want to step away to teach what they know. More power to them. Amazing. Do that. But I think a lot of these people can get out of touch with the needs of their customers, the needs of their consumers, because they're so focused on delivering the product that they said they promised they would do that they are not listening or they're not experiencing it for themselves. I think sometimes they will hear even customer complaints. Like I have recently Googled like a SaaS company and like search for reviews and found Reddit threads and, you know, all of these places where consumers are talking about their product. And you see some of the commentary back and it's almost laughable. It's like they're not Even really listening. They're just saying, We hear you, but we can't really do anything about it. So here's what we're going to do instead. I just don't think that's a responsible approach. Not that you can serve every single need of every single member. That's definitely not what I'm saying. But I think sometimes the little pieces of feedback are the things you should really be paying attention to. Or If you struggle with that listening piece, like how can you simultaneously be doing what your customers are doing so you understand the challenges they're experiencing because you're going through it alongside of them. Future plans and expansions. Okay, I have so much to say here that I am gonna just simply have to save it for our very next episode. I wanna talk about the exciting things I'm working on and what I see for the future and what it means for our members and what it means for you. But definitely, this is not something that I just started and put out and put on autopilot and walked away from. This is something I'm in the weeds with all the time. And I want to continue to keep the pulse of what our people need and continue to serve them. How has running a million-dollar membership impacted you personally or professionally? Personally, it has been a really big growth opportunity. I've had to be more organized. I've had to have a longer plan. I've had to continue to focus on the needs of my Customers, but like it has been something that has required me to show up in new ways and new seasons and continue to learn all the time. It has forced me into a constant state of learning, which I think a lot of people get really exhausted by. And it can be why people burn out. They're like, if I have to constantly be learning new things, like I just want to be on autopilot sometimes. And I hear you. But I do think there's ways to be like respectful of what you need personally and continue to listen and continue to show up and continue to adapt and continue to change. And it may mean the speed in which you can complete. Some of those things will vary over time, but it doesn't mean you just put it down entirely. I think the people that become complacent and stay static are the ones who get stuck or burn out or stop. But continuing to show up has shown me perseverance in a way I couldn't have anticipated. Professionally, this has been a very interesting ride. Because like I mentioned, when we started this, the goal was to make it sellable. And so initially, it was very minimally intertwined with boss project at large. It was kind of its own entity. Not that it was its own business, but like if someone landed there for the first time, they would maybe have no idea that we were involved. And I think that allowed for it to kind of, it become its own thing. But I also found it disorienting when people would be like, oh, I had no idea you ran Like pfft, That was the goal. And yet it felt strange to put so much time and energy and love and support into something that wasn't necessarily tied to my personal reputation or even my own business's success. My goal of more publicly intertwining it with my personal brand and boss project is not because I need recognition or that I need someone to know that I did the thing. That's not at all why I'm doing it. It's because I have a desire to better know this community. And it got to the point where a lot of the members... Never interacted with our brand, and I couldn't hear their needs because they wouldn't share them that like they were keeping them to themselves. Like they were coming in, getting what they need and leaving. And there was this lack of connection. And me kind of reinfusing myself and boss project into the mix is with the intention of knowing, our members on a deep level and being able to serve them in the season that they're in, whether good, bad, or indifferent. And I'm excited for what that challenge will bring. What advice would I give someone looking to start their own membership site? My advice would be for it to be a piece of your business and not your whole business. I genuinely... Still, at this stage, believe it is a large risk to put all your eggs in the membership basket. <laughs> I think it can be a unique opportunity to add something complimentary to what you're already doing, create potentially like a gateway into your other services or offers. But I think it is in this time and space a big risk and challenge for it to be your only thing. With the exception of if your membership is technology, then I don't necessarily have the same answer. But I'm not talking about SaaS. I'm talking about membership, which SaaS can have subscriptions and operate similar to a membership. But I'm talking about something that doesn't have that level of stickiness. I think if you're selling access to technology or software or SaaS, that absolutely it can be the whole thing. It still could have a ton of challenges, a lot of roadblocks along the way, but not necessarily be something that I would diversify from. If it's truly just a membership, I would have it be a piece of the puzzle. The last question I will face or answer is, was there a particular moment or decision that you feel was pivotal in reaching this particular level? And I can't say that it was any one decision. I think this is a compound effect of a thousand decisions, thousands of decisions that got us to this point. That being said, I do think there is a threshold that everyone will face that is a ceiling of your own organic reach, your own organic opportunities. And while I think organic is an incredible way to start, I don't necessarily think it is a long-term way to scale. I think there's a really huge opportunity to learn what works And pour fuel on that fire with something like paid advertising or paid affiliates or, you know, paid partners. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be straight up ads, but I do think you will come to a point in which you could not grow it any further without really investing in its future. Well, this episode has turned out to be significantly longer than I expected. But if you have any questions at all, or you want to know more about what this would mean for you, or you're running a membership site and you have a unique challenge and you want to talk about it, feel free to drop me a message. But for sure, I will absolutely suggest that you become a part of this community. If you're listening to this show, you are the person I have designed this to serve. And I want you to be a part of this community. And I want to continue to learn from you, but also pour back into you and fill your cup and make sure you have access to the tools and strategies you need. And I am so elated to have the brand new site come out tomorrow I can't even like, I am so joyful because there's so much of what I've been doing the last few months where I only could send you to a workshop to attempt to showcase what I'm really saying and what my real intentions and goals are and to be able to send you to a place that I feel like really showcases the values of the company I have built and The intentions of this membership, because my goal with this membership is to see you wealthy. I want to see your businesses grow and provide the finances necessary for you to not just live your life, but for you to attain the lifestyle that you want to live. And it starts by meeting your basic needs and will continue to grow and evolve with you as you grow. We have people in this membership who are still in a day job and they are just starting and they're building this thing on the side. And we have people who have made this their full-time income and are seeing $2,000 months, $4,000 months, $8,000 months. And then we have people who have teams of five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 that are utilizing this and providing these resources to their team. And they are using it in almost a mastermind capacity and continuing to network with other people in this environment. I have seen very few memberships out there that address the needs of such a broad range of people and create such a unique environment for people to learn from others. And I am very proud of that. And I want to continue to serve you and be a part of your story and continue to provide what you need, not just the templates, but the tools and the strategies and the resources and the connections. I want to be there for you. And creativetemplateshop.com and specifically the co-op membership was designed with your future in mind. And I can't wait for you to be a part of its story. I look forward to serving you and knowing you and aligning you with the resources you need. You can join at creativetemplateshop.com slash join and be a part of this future. And I can't wait to see all the things you do and accomplish. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today.